The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's 3M Open. And joining me to break it all down, Sia Najad is here. Sia, do you have your sticky notes handy? I think I do have my sticky notes handy. Thanks for asking. That's a 3M joke. They make sticky notes, right? I think so. Yes. Post-its. They make like a million. Oh, Post-its. Yeah. Post-its is the official name. The brand's name. Sticky notes would be what us... Dummies call it, I think. See, that's like uh, that, that's like Velcro, right? Velcro is a is a brand. So is Styrofoam. Really loop, right? Yeah, Styrofoam, Sty- right? Styrofoam is a brand. They a Kleenex, it's right? Not really a Kle- that that's a br- those those things that you just mentioned. <laughs> I think are some of the best branding. Like they're great branding stories. They're they're uh, almost they're almost too good, Greg. Yeah, because the brand be- becomes the product. The the bad tissues are also getting lumped into Kleenex. Right. Pass right. me a Kleenex. All, all tissues are Kleenex. What other They're podcast not. do you get this type of information? That's that's my question. None. Yeah, this Jake, is why. Exactly. exactly. Another great one. By the Ooh, way, that's Greg, that's Greg Ducharme, but you know that. <laughs> uh, you don't get this hard-hitting analysis anywhere, and it's why we are up for the People's Choice Podcast Awards. That's right. We are a finalist in the sports category, and we don't ask for much, so we are asking for a little bit of help here. All you have to do is go to podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up. We'll obviously give you the link in the description. Toggle on down to sports and nominate the first cut podcast uh, and hopefully that will get us into the final round and then i don't know a little little magic after that and uh hey maybe we win maybe we win some podcast awards boys get us to the weekend by the way right. Rick, the <laughs> what's that we're up for that because of that segue it was just i, I didn't want to mm. jump in and interrupt it but that was uh brilliant at the least we're just mm-hmm. trying to make the cut on the number, and then we'll, and anything can happen on the weekend, right? That's that's, right. that's our that's plan right. for this. Yeah, get us uh, a shot. Get us a shot. We got them right where we want. Catch that hot putter. You never know. Uh, all right, gentlemen. We have a kind of new event here. This is the 3M Open. Only the second year we've had it. 2019, Matthew Wolf was victorious. That was when he made Eagle on 18, his first victory. It was the moment. It was awesome. Uh, Michael Thompson won it. Last year, and I think he also gave us a great moment, Greg. He was nails down the stretch, and then he was emotional, and he was like, I'm going to Wingsfoot, baby. That's my favorite place ever. Yeah, oh, he hit that shot. The one memorable shot from that event for me was the uh, the bunker shot on 16. It was like a like a 40 or 50-yard bunker shot right. all over a bunker with water long, and he just clipped this perfectly and landed it like three feet short, spun it. It was just gorgeous. 
The TPC Twin Cities is going to play host to this event as it has for the first two editions, Sia. And it's a par 71, 7,400 yards. You're going to see a lot of water out there, but I'm not sure there's a whole lot of defining or unique features for our purposes you know our purposes where we're like oh this course is super long you got to be a bomber oh these fairways are super narrow and the rough is thick you, you got to play out of the fit like i'm not sure there's a heck of a lot to hang our hat on in, in terms of course fit is there I don't think there is either. I mean, which is why w when that's the case, I'm typically just going to lean back onto ball striking. I think off the tee is, is pretty important here. Not, 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 you know, overly important. I think approach is going to be the, the most important metric here. And so I'm going to be looking at off the tee and approach and, you know, putting is interesting here because obviously we know the greens are kind of big. I, I think the stip meter and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong here. It's pretty higher. I think the fast they're going to be fast greens. So that is a feature maybe you want to dig into a little bit. But uh, for me, it's an approach course. And that's how I'm going to be in terms of a, in terms of a macro look at this. That's how I'm going to be looking at things. I'm going to show you uh, – I'm going to share my screen here. So I've got the course key stats up here on my website, rickrungood.com. And Greg, see is right. These greens, they're not huge. They just skew larger on the PGA Tour, which usually means that guys are going to hit – more greens, but also they will three putt more often. Uh, it's not a huge percentage, but uh, and again, they're not huge 6,500 square feet on average, but might be something to consider if you're looking for a couple of tiebreakers. Yeah, it, um, these things are interesting, but it's such a you look at the past results of this. You mentioned Michael Thompson mm -hmm. and Matthew Wolf, they couldn't be more different as players. <laughs> I know. <laughs> right. I mean, you've had guys like Richie Wierenski, old Bryson playing well, Colin Morikawa playing well. I guess he's kind of proved that uh, venue doesn't really matter for him, but mm -hmm. maybe that's a nod to the iron play. Um, so there are, there are a lot of guys, there are a lot of different styles that work around here. Um, and, and part of the reason for that is the fact it's somewhat open off the tee, uh, which I think puts a lean to approach play for sure. Um, but the greens also aren't, so difficult where um you're you're tested dramatically i, I you may see some more three putts because you'll see some longer putts um but i don't think it's it's a place like augusta national is the extreme example where you have you know all these little ridges and guys are putting it off the green and real challenges like that it's a little bit more benign so for me i, I lean towards approach play because that's kind of basic, like Sia said. But really, recent form is really big for me. Someone who's confident, uh, somebody who's coming in, playing well, feeling good about their game, I think is really important because there are a lot of ways to make birdie on this golf course. And, um, and, and I think it will allow everybody to do that, assuming they're playing well, assuming they're confident. And, um, and so I, I really lean towards, uh, towards recent form in an event like this. I'm just kind of clicking through some stats as Greg was talking here, looking at the last 36 rounds for everybody in the field. If it does turn into kind of an approach contest, Stuart Sink leads the way there, which I don't think many people would have realized. He's gaining nearly a stroke and a quarter per round uh, in, in that stretch. Keegan Bradley, Emiliano Grillo, Kyle Stanley, those are familiar names. Also an Arnold Palmer designed court. What kind of a goat do you have to be, Sia, to not only design golf courses, but also be the man behind Arnold Palmer spiked. Come on. That's true. That's that. What a goat. What a goat. 
Uh, he he truly he truly does it all, Rick. <laughs> uh, I love it. Let's go to the cheat sheet. We have uh, kind of an interesting situation. Brian Harmon withdrew uh, like Sunday night, so he was originally in this field. He is not in the DraftKings pricing, which is good because sometimes we kind of get that void, gentlemen. But what we have is a very small ten thousand dollar range. It is only four golfers. It is Dustin Johnson. Louis Oosthuizen, Tony Finau, and Patrick Reed. And, and Greg, all of these guys are coming back from the Open Championship. Now, Patrick Reed might have been, might have been back a little bit early. He did not have to play the weekend uh, in England last week. But is that at all going to be a consideration when you start parsing out your lineups? It's a factor. There, no question about it. I mean, it, it's not just the fact that you're traveling overseas and it's a quick turnaround. It's not just about that, but it's, it's an emotional event. Um, and, and for somebody like Dustin Johnson, uh, Louis Oosthuizen, especially, I mean, he just jumps off the page here as, uh, an emotional defeat, I guess you could say, uh, a disappointing round on Sunday. What is his mindset going to be? Is this going to be a, an exhale week? I always talk about how players try to peak, for certain times and not all players try to peak for majors, but the guys in the, in this group, they do. Um, and Louis does peak for majors. So what are we going to get now in the week after? Is he going to be, um, looking at this as a redemption opportunity? Is he going to be looking at this as an opportunity for a win or is he kind of looking at this as a cool down? Um, and I'm sure he's not saying, all right, I'm going to go to three M that'll be a nice cool down. I'm sure he's not saying that. But at the same time, what's his emotional state? And if this is an exhale, I mean, you're going to have to make a lot of birdies out here. So that's right. probably, even if Louie didn't just come in third in the open and it was, if it wasn't disappointed, if he had the week off, um, I would probably feel the same way because I think this is going to be a birdie fest. And Louis a Louis more of an anti-bogey guy. He, he doesn't make a lot of birdies. I was looking at his birdie average and scoring average earlier. His scoring average is like 10th. He's like 88th in birdie average or something. Those may not be the right numbers, but they're, they're um, in the right general uh, vicinity. So uh, I'm, I, I don't necessarily love him. I don't necessarily love Patrick Reed on this style of course. Um, Finau, I have a lot of questions about where he, he is with his game. This range is not... Um, it, it doesn't jump off the page to you. Although I do think DJ is trending in the right direction. I think any given week here, he could get hot and and um, and pull off a win. Louis 72nd in birdie or better percentage. Uh, the other thing about Louis Sia is, and I just had this pulled up here, this is the most expensive he's ever been. Uh, you know, it's one thing to pay, I don't know, 77, 87, even $9,100 for Louis Eustace. And this is the most expensive he's ever been. It's only the seventh time he's been $9,000 or more. And uh, it's been a bit of a mixed bag on, on how he finishes. It's basically, I'm sorry, it's his sixth time. Basically three missed cuts, three top eight finishes. If you start looking at uh, kind of how he sets up for this, like, I, I, this just feels like a really steep price to pay, in my opinion. Which makes it all the better of a play, in my opinion, especially after the letdown from the other side of the pond. I mean, everybody's going to say, well, you know, it's it's an emotional letdown. How can you come back? Well, this is Louis in. Like, I, he, he operates on the same level every single day, as far as I can tell. So I don't think he's going to walk into this tournament thinking, you know, with shoulders shrugged. I think it's just another opportunity for him. And, and by the way, I, I don't know. I wasn't looking, Rick, when you showed the, I think you said he was 72nd in 40 or, or better percentage. But if you go down to the last 24 rounds, 
downs. I think he's 17th in this field. So, I mean, obviously he's, he's creating opportunities and we know how good of a putter he is. And seeing as though on approach, he's been really good, especially last 24 rounds and the putting is really good. If those are the two components I'm most concerned with in this particular tournament, he seems like a really good, he's not going to be contrarian per se, but I think it makes sense that people will be off him because of the price and because of the letdown uh, last week, or I should say yesterday. And so I actually think Louis is a pretty smart play. In my opinion, in this elite range, I kind of like Louis and Tony Finau. I don't think I'm going to be starting a lot of lineups in the 10K range. Surprise, surprise. But I do like those two the best. I think Dustin's trending really well. I agree that Patrick Reed's probably not the best fit here, and his game certainly isn't in in great shape. But I think Louis is a really interesting play. I'm definitely going to be playing him. So I I got that number, by the way. Um, He's 89th in birdie average. And yep. third, his scoring average is third. He's third on tour in scoring average, 89th in birdie average. I'm telling you, do not see that kind of, you don't see that kind of difference very often. It's a big difference. You're, you're it, saying it, this is because he doesn't make bogeys, not because right, he makes yeah. a lot of birdies. That's it, the, exactly. Right. Yeah. So he is, that's why he plays so well in majors because major championships, even if it gets to 15 under, uh, the winner gets to 15 under, it's about, uh, it, it's about limiting the mistakes. And Louie is great at limiting mistakes. At the PGA, he was basically, I mean, I guess Kepka was the, was kind of the last man standing beside Phil. And Louie was kind of right after that, right? He's in there all the way till the end. He's hanging in there till the end. At Torrey Pines, he was the last man hanging in there um, until the 17th tee. He, he hangs in because he's great at avoiding the mistakes. And in those tournaments, it's typically um, a a big number that derails somebody. That's what happened at the U.S. Open. Everybody started making they they all had their um, their moment. Rory, um, all the big stars, basically had a moment where they made a they made a big mistake that took them out of the tournament. And Louis great at avoiding that. I just worry in an event like this, is he going to be able to is is he going to be able to fill it up? Because he typically doesn't. The only pushback I'll give you there, Greg, is, I mean, I know it was a major last week, but it was kind of a birdie fest like we're going to see this week. I mean, I know it wasn't designed to be that way, but I mean, I think he proved until the back nine, or I I should say until Sunday, that he can, you know, he can score with the best of them. And the cool part is this week, he doesn't have Colin Morikawa and Jordan Spieth to be intimidated by on Sunday. He has Jonathan Vegas and Hammer and Hank Lebio to be intimidated by. So I, I, I truly think he, he's, probably going to if he's there on Sunday I think he's going to be in a better state of mind because he knows he can beat those guys no disrespect uh Mr. Lepiota on that one I can't wait to talk about him a little bit later oh, it's man. actually coming way. much later than it should be I'll be quite yeah. honest yes, with you yes. okay uh, yeah so we have to talk about Dustin Johnson here he's 11,300 he's the most expensive golfer he is the favorite he has four consecutive top 25s I don't know if that's good or not. Two of them are top 10 finishes. He finished eighth at the Open Championship last week. And this is where we saw him, Greg. He went uh, 78 on Thursday, WD. This was that end of, this is when he went 80, 80, 78, WD. And then I think he won his next start after this, right? Um, well, there was one in between. He didn't win in Memphis, but he played a little better. I, I think okay. it was like a T12 or something. And then he went on that tear immediately after that. Um, DJ is interesting too. He's actually r- kind of 
similar to Louis in that he yeah, he's yeah. he makes a, a lot more birdies than Louis, I would say, but he's really, really good at avoiding bogeys when he's playing well. When DJ is really good, that that's one thing he's great at. He's second in scoring average, but he's also 18th in, in birdie average. So that's pretty, pretty dang good. Um, but but the thing about DJ as I've been watching him lately, I'm seeing him get better and better and better T to green. It, it looks like he's got more and more control of his shot shape, but the putter is lagging behind a little bit. And I, I think when, when you see a player like Dustin Johnson finishing T18 or T8 or T25, typically it's, it's the putter that holds him back. And T to green, a guy like that can finish T18 and hit it well enough to win where you don't even really see him. He's not even really contending. Um, but he had a chance to win and it was just one thing that kind of held him back or one round that held him back. That's what happened at the open. But I, I think, I think the putter is around the corner. And when that, when he gets that figured out, I really think you're going to see a, a DJ contend and win again soon. Um, it, it's, it's not the switch that we kind of expected to flip where last year he was hurt. So last year his back was bothering him. He says it's because he was swinging really bad. So he lost his ball striking he wasn't hitting it very well at all. Um, then he gets injured and everything kind of everything kind of fades away. And then he figures out his swing and that's when the switch flips. So that's kind of my uh, my question with DJ. What's going to happen with his putter? I, I think he's more in a gradual build this year than the f- switch flip. Yeah, he's gained strokes uh, from T to green in three consecutive. I wish there, there are no strokes gained numbers from the Open Championship uh, last week, so I would have loved to have seen how that played out. But see, uh, uh, at 11,300, I, I mean, it's, it's I, don't, I don't even know if it's very clear anymore that he's the best player in the field. Louis's been so good this year, but like, I, I think I'm getting more and more bullish on DJ. Yeah, I don't mind DJ. I mean, I, I got to be honest, if if I'm ranking these guys and I'm leaving Patrick Reed out of it, I would probably go Louis, Tony Finau, then Dustin Johnson. I was really impressed at what uh, Tony Finau did last week and Dustin Johnson, for that matter. I just, you know, the, the thing about Dustin, I don't know how dialed in. It does scare me that he did the 78 withdrawal thing. It kind of made me wonder how much does he care about this tournament at the time that it happened. So I, I don't know what to do with that, but I, I like uh, I like him. I just don't love him. The $9,000 range, uh, just a little bit bigger. Sergio Garcia, Matthew Wolf, Cameron Tringale at the top. Emiliano Grillo, Cam Davis, Bubba Watson, and Robert McIntyre at the bottom end of it. Greg, it's a, it's a grab bag. Anything you want here, what do you want? Um, well, this is an, a more interesting range to me. And I feel, in a strange way, a little bit better about this range, uh, which, which is strange. But I feel really good about this range. Bubba Watson, for instance, he didn't make the trip because of COVID. I don't think he was symptomatic. So I I like where Bubba is. He's in really good form of late. Um, There's a number of top 25 finishes for him. And he's been surprisingly consistent this year, which I like. And I think this is a good golf course for him. It doesn't penalize you too much off the tee for errancy. Um, And I think it's going to allow him to be creative like he wants. So I, I, I do like him. Um, I like where Sergio's game is trending, but it doesn't it doesn't seem like the, a great golf course for him where, where it really demands accurate, um, great driving off the tee. It, it doesn't demand that the same way that some of the places with a little higher rough do. Um, but I do think Sergio is an interesting play. And the last guy is um, the, the last guy is Cameron Tringale. It, it's hard to look at that at ninety five hundred and say, yeah, I got to play Cameron Tringale. But he's having a great year. 
His birdies are up, um, which is really impressive to me. And and that's really the thing. A couple of weeks ago, I was really into Cameron Tringale for the same reason. His birdie average is a lot higher than you might expect. Um, so I, I think, and I have it right here. I'm pulling it up. Um, his his birdie average. Um, uh, well, it's loading here. But so his his birdie or better percentage, he's ranked twenty eighth. His birdie average, he's twenty third. Twenty third, four point one one. Right. That that's fantastic. His scoring average is sixteenth. So this is a guy who's added some length to his game gradually, um, and and he's hitting the ball really well. I mean, um, he's he's forty fourth on tour in in strokes gain approach. He's twenty first in strokes gain putting. This is a guy I think is. Um, in really good form. I think he's a really nice anchor for your lineup. If you just sort by uh, January 1st of 2021 on, so most of these guys have 40, 50, 40 or 50 rounds. Some guys have 60. The best players, just strokes gain total. So like straight up, it's Louis Ustazen in this field, number one, Patrick Reed, number two, Cameron Tringale, number three. That that is how good he's been. I don't think people yeah. realize it because it's just a lot of like T you know T twenty finishes. Sia uh, that a lot of people don't realize, but uh, certainly worth a look. He finished third here last year, as well as uh, did Emiliano Grillo. Who in this range would you prefer to be making your lineups? Yeah, I like both of those guys you just mentioned. Actually, I like Grillo and I like uh, Cameron Tringale. If I had to pick a third. You know, I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure, Rick. You're gonna you're gonna rep uh, Cam Davis, so I'll stay off of that one. But I got to be honest; those are the two guys I like. I'm worried about Sergio's putter. So as much as I and I agree with Greg exactly what he said, the ball striking is there. But but again, that that off the tee game, I, I don't know that that's going to be as critical here. And then when you look at the putting, it just doesn't really measure measure out here for Sergio Tringali. Interestingly, hasn't been good off the tee either, and it's I think it's a really good time to take him because he hasn't been that good lately. He's, you know, he's missed a few cuts here and there and his, his placements, uh, you know, they haven't been that great. And so I think people are going to be reticent to play him this week. They, they might just pivot to somebody else. I, I think in spite of the off the tee game, not being very good lately, I think it's, I think he's a great course fit. And frankly, recent form, while, while I do value it, these birdie fests, I, I've come to kind of realize that a lot of guys who might not be in good form, tend to perform in, in the birdie fests, like like more than expectations. So I think Cameron Tringali is, is primed to have a good tournament. And of course, I like Grillo too. You know, usually we're questioning Grillo's uh, putting. But uh, against this field, he's he's just about average. So I have no issue with Grillo there. We know his ball striking is great. Yeah, and you're right. I, I do always love Cam Davis. This feels like a pretty good spot for him. You know, he just won a couple of weeks ago. He got the start in between, which I feel like is always valuable. Bentgrass, by far his best putting surface. In fact, it's the only surface he actually gains strokes on, and he gains a ton of them. So I'm trying to live down in that mid to low 9,000 range with Tringale, Grillo, Davis. I don't even uh, – Bubba, I think, is fine, and, and McIntyre is – a hair more volatile. I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame you for that. I, I'm kind of living in that, that lower nines. Um, you know, we certainly have to figure out the value. There's a lot of value coming up. There's value further down the board. And then there's a lot of question marks and we're going to get into all that, but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain. Those numbers do not add up to me. And I know it can be confusing the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple. And that's where super feet 
comes into play. These super feet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking a, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code first at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I, I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, they've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as, as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there. And I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for four, our listeners, uh, first time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. And we're back. $8,000 range here, Greg. It's Ricky Fowler and Keegan Bradley at the top. We've got two-time winner already this year. Stuart Sink up there as well. And it goes down to Luke List and Gary Woodland. What do you see when you look at the 8K range? Ooh, um, kind of a interesting range. I, I want to get on the Ricky Fowler bandwagon, but in eight of Ricky's last 10 tournaments, he's had a round of 75 or higher, one mm -hmm. round in the tournament. Um, and, and if you shoot a round of 72 out here, <laughs> that could be enough to play your way right out. Yeah. Um, if it happens on Thursday or Friday, it could mean you miss the cut. So I, I am a little worried about Ricky's consistency. Uh, um, um, there, there's that variance, that trust factor that I think he's still lacking. And after seeing that today, last night when I was looking into it, um, I, I kind of feel like I'm going to end up being late on Ricky before um, early. Um, so anyway, going down farther than that, I think Patton Kazire is really interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, he just finished 11th at the John Deere. He was 25th at the, at the rocket mortgage as well. Um, and he shot some really low scores, 65 and 64 on those Sundays respectively. So uh, he is really interesting to me. Um, and then continuing down the list, let me, let me stop you there. Cause, cause okay, I has something really wacky going on here and it's, it's great, especially for showdown. Uh, it's kind of interesting just because I love his volatility, his last, here are his round fours, just his round fours, his last four Sundays, he has gained at least 3.7 strokes in each of them. That's insane. Also in six of his last seven, he's gained at least three shots on the field. He is a Sunday 
hero. It's resulted in some really good finishes. I like that volatility if you're trying to win like a million bucks. Right. And and that's the kind of guy where you're looking at your lineup on Saturday night. And the next time you check on Sunday afternoon, when you start settling in and watching the action around two o'clock and all of a sudden um, your money's doubled and it's because Pat and Kazire has just gone on a complete heater. So that, that's the kind of um, opportunity that he provides, but it's, a, it's a sign that he can make birdies that he's not afraid of going low. It's a sign of confidence when you can shoot that kind of score. So I, I really like that. Um, was there one more guy that I cut you off on there? Yes. Yes. So I was saying, continuing down the list. Mm-hmm. Luke oh, here we go. Nice. Oh, yes. Jeez. Yep. I did not see What'd that you one think? coming. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, Luke List played a nice tournament at the Barbasol. He did. Probably should have won. But he started three over through three on Sunday. So he's got something to figure out there um, with, with the lead. But he also came in fourth at the John Deere Classic. Um, and, and he had a nice finish a while back at the Wells Fargo as well. So Luke List is an interesting guy to me. He has that ability with the driver where he's really long. He can be inaccurate. I don't think that's going to penalize him this week. And and I like the fact that he's feeling like he's building towards something. That, that disappointing loss at the Barbasol, that disappointing start, I think will fuel him. And he'll say, okay, I'm really close. I have this one more hurdle to jump. And and this is the next step towards peaking. He is on his way to um, to peaking. He's not on his way down from something where he was trying to get so close to win a major. And all of a sudden the majors are over for the year. And there's a, there's a, okay, well, what, I mean, what now, now? I got to reevaluate. He's not in a reevaluate stage. He's in a, I'm right there. And I think that's a good hungry place to be in. Luke List had to hit three different provisionals on Sunday, which is something you don't want to have to do in the final round at Barbasol or anywhere, and something that is probably not going to happen again, so unlikely there. And then also the good news about Luke List, uh, if you've been paying attention for his entire career, you'd like the fact that he's been a zero putter over his last three events. If you look at the three events before that, he's lost about a combined 10 strokes putting that that is much more reminiscent of what we normally see. If he can continue this zero stretch, you got to think Luke list is going to give himself lots of opportunities. See when you start parsing through this $8,000 range, what do you come out with? I like Stuart Sink to, to start. I mean, I, I'm going to pass over Keegan Bradley. I, I think I'm going to play him a little bit. Obviously, a great ball striker. The putting just really worries me with him. Maybe if he was a little less expensive, I, I'd consider him. I think Stuart Sink is a great course fit. I mean, he's been really good on approach lately, for one. We know how capable he is off the tee. He just seems like the type – I mean, the, the only issue is, you know, he's only played here once. Obviously, only two tries uh, to potentially have. 46th, it doesn't really concern me that much. He missed the cut at the Open. That doesn't really concern me either. I just think he's such a good course fit, and I think he's kind of a value at 8,700. Uh, other than that, there's two guys I want to mention. Um, for Birdie Fest, I'm always interested. Just like Patton Kazire, I'm always interested in Maverick, Maverick McNeely. Mm. I think Maverick McNeely is just one of those guys that can pop for you. The metrics are solid, and if I recall – Last year, did he finish in a tie for third? No, that's that's somebody. Oh, that's probably Charles Schwartz. No, this will, yeah, this will be his debut. This will be his debut. So I like Mac- McNeely in a birdie fest. And the last guy, I just kind of spoiler alert, uh, Charles Schwartzel. His approach game, his ball striking has actually been really good lately. I think that might surprise some people if you if they look at what his approach game has been last 24 rounds, for example. Also tied for third here last year with Griot, with Cameron Tringale. I think he's a kind of slightly under the radar guy that could really pop this week. So- 
Um, oh, sorry, Rick. Just real quick, let me put a bow on Maverick yeah. McNeely, Greg, because something yeah. might be interestingly happening here because he's he's very young, right? We're still trying to figure out what he is. And to for the for the majority of his young career, he's been a popper, where it's a runner-up finish at Pebble Beach, and then you miss three cuts, and then you finish fourth at Heritage, and then you miss three cuts. Well, he's made four cuts in a row, and not only four cuts in a row, he's got four top 30s in a row, and he's gained strokes putting in each of them. And he's gained strokes on approach in four out of five. These are things he's never done before, which sometimes I think, Hey, maybe these are outliers or maybe as a young player, he's finding something. So I I, I do think McNeely is really interesting to kind of keep this momentum rolling. We're going to learn a lot about him over the next couple of weeks. Sorry, Greg, a young, young player with uh, a nice pedigree too. Um, But to go to Charles Schwartzel, um, as, as Sia was saying, the thing I like about him, he played a nice round, a nice tournament at the U S open and then took a little bit of time off, but he did play the Barbasol. Yes. And, and he finished 26 there, which may not be great, but guys that are playing in their second week or third week, they have a chance to, kind of clean some things up when they've taken a little bit of time off. So I, I do think that's a great sign that uh, he's kind of moving in the right direction for, for a really nice week. I love it. The seven K ranch, uh, Chris Kirk, Doug Gim, Hank Lebiota goes all the way down to, it's a huge range, Sam Ryder, Scott Piercy, Tom Lewis. Now, before we jump into this, I have a stat here and I, I will say, I don't love these types of stats, but Justin Ray tweeted out earlier today that TPC Twin Cities had the second most approach shots from 175 to 200 yards of any course on tour the last two years. Only PGA National has had more. I don't love these stats. I think they're flawed in some way. But if you like them, the 7K range is filled with those guys. So the number one guy uh, is Doug Gim. He's 7,900. The number five guy is Kyle Stanley. He's 73. The number six guy is Joel Damon. He's 75. So if you do like these types of stats, Sia, you can find some value here because the, the guys who dwell in that category are very, very cheap. I'm not a huge fan of it, but listen, happy to be transparent, happy to at least throw out some some ideas. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the stat as long as you can match it up with, you know, it's one of those things. What do you value in this tournament? If if you value putting at all, then, you know, because Keegan's up there too, then I believe he is at least. Then, or Kyle yeah. Stanley, like they, they can kind of like ruin you once it gets on onto the green. So I, I'm trying to sort of match up those types of stats and of course, general approach with at least some some decent putting. And, and I say that knowing that I just recommended Charles Schwartzel and I don't think his putting has been <laughs> great lately. Well, you mentioned it. I mean, the, the the top 12 guys from 175 to 200 are all losing putters. The the first guy who actually gains putting and plays well in that category is David Hearn. He's 6,200. So just an idea, Greg, when you start parsing through the 7,000s, I mean, let's just do it. Hank Lebiotis here. Yeah. He's why been- is he, why is he here? So disrespectful. It's so disrespectful. I mean, I, I I'm not necessary like this might be the week that he falls off but that's not what this pricing's about right i mean he came in eighth in his last start fourth the one before that fifth the one before that 31st 17th 51st with a 77 uh or i'm sorry 271 that's uh, a 71 oh yeah 77 round three of the wells fargo that was his 51st 13th at the vals part the guy has been consistently good for more than two weeks Right, what he's how cheaper, he, he is cheaper now. He was eighty four hundred at John Deere. He finished eighth 
and scored 103 DraftKings points, he is now $500 cheaper. See, uh, I two weeks ago I said it's one more go around for Hank Lebiota. Lebiota. Then I said last, you know, at the John Deere, well, this is probably a pretty good spot for him. One more go around. Now I see the price, and I'm thinking, man, one more go around. Like this is cr- like I. It's going to have to stop at some point. This great streak that he's on is going to end at some point, but man, is that an appealing price. It's super appealing. And the thing is, he's the John Deere was his bad tournament. You know what I'm saying? Like the two weeks before, like he finished eighth. The, the two tournaments before that, he was fourth and fifth. Just like Greg said, this is this is becoming a pattern. And if you watch him play, like the eye, he's passing the eye test too. So, I, you know, he's going to be really popular. It's funny because... Just three weeks ago, uh, which which tournament was it? Uh, was it the John Deere or maybe it was the Travelers? Yeah, it was the Travelers. He was 1.6% owned. Yes. And I just wonder, I mean, where are we at? Do you guys want to speculate? I mean, 7,900, that is a bargain. I mean, what, 20, 18% on Hank Leviota? Yeah. From, I think from the Valspar on, I mean, we talked about this a little bit with Pat and Kazire. From the Valspar on, his Sunday scores are as follows. 71, 67. 68, 67, 66, 68, 65. That's a guy who's not, a he's not afraid, right? He's not mm-hmm. getting here. Oh, I can't believe I'm in the mix and I'm going to turn around. That's a sign that this is uh, a, a pattern to use his word. So this is a good thing. He's in a good place. Mm. Play him like this. This ends Rick at the Northern Trust. Maybe. Oh, that's where it ends. Oh, because right. because well, that's how deep is going to run into the playoffs. <laughs> you're you're talking about two two runs, right? You're, you got you got this week. You got Wyndham. He's playing great. I mean, he's probably a good play at the Northern Trust because he's going to be cheap, really cheap. He might be a great play there, but the golf course gets a little bit bigger. The golf course kind of changes a little bit, but these this week and the Wyndham, unless he you know, really plays poorly this week. I, I think there are two great opportunities for him to win. Yeah, I it's agree. so disrespectful, this pricing. I can't, I can't believe it. We are incensed. Change incensed. it right now, DraftKings. Shut it down. If all of that wasn't enough, he has, he has played this event twice. He finished 34th and 26th. So, <laughs> and, and that's when he wasn't even playing nearly to the level he's playing right now, obviously. Yeah, he wasn't even good. All right, Sia, what else in this range here? It's a massive range. I've picked out a couple of guys, but why don't you take a crack at it? There are so many guys to like. I, I guess I'll just run down the list. I, I'd hate to give I'd hate to give storylines to everybody because we'd go an hour. Doug Gim makes sense. I haven't really been on him lately. Um, obviously, the putting is a concern, but the ball striking is great. I don't think I'm going to be highly invested in Doug Gim, but I'm certainly going to have some shares. I think Ryan, go ahead. I'll I'll help you out there. Uh, The good news about Gim is he, uh, Bent is one of his better surfaces. He's terrible on Bermuda. He's, he's actually pretty decent on Poa. He's pretty good on Bent too. So the putter, interesting. Rick, I I saw that on your course key stats, by the way, on rickrungood.com. So I probably should have mentioned that. Yes, yes, indeed. (laughs) So listen, I I think Ryan Moore might've turned it around. I'm pretty sure I said the same thing like two months ago and I was totally wrong because he was just kind of all over the place. Uh, I, I don't know that it's a great course fit, but I don't think it's a bad course fit for Ryan Moore. Uh, I like what he's done lately. So I think Ryan Moore might be an interesting play. I'll just name a few more. Um, Jonathan Vegas. I mean, the ball striking has been really good. So I, I think he is a very good, like high upside type play. And then Kyle Stanley and Brandon Hagee, I think are also upside plays. Stanley with the putter is is potentially a problem. So tread carefully there. But 
and and Hagee's been sort of still under the radar, but he's been playing really well too. Yeah, I was uh, very impressed by Hagee had like, I guess I could just look this up. It's right in front of me. He had like a runner up finish and then he played well the next week, which I always think is hard to do for guys who are not in the mix. Okay. Finished sixth at rocket mortgage, then played well and finished T 18 at John Deere. But I feel like he was in that uh, for a lot longer than his result indicates. So it's always impressive when, when guys with not a lot of experience in that position, back it up the following week. And just to backtrack a little bit on Hagee, I mean, I'm, I'm a little concerned about those approach numbers over the last you know six or seven tournaments, but again, he, he does tend to pop here and there, but you're definitely taking a chance on Hagee. That's not one of my, my favorite in the 7K uh, plays that I've mentioned. Greg, fire um, away. So the thing I like about Hagee is how good he is off the tee, right? His distance is yeah. um, evident, right? He, he's averaging 310 off the tee. So I, I, think, I, I think this could be a really good spot for him. Um, he was one of the guys that I had circled. I'm not really into the Kyle Stanley's again. Like I, I kind of feel like a Johnny Vegas or a Patrick Rogers has more pull for me. But I mean, Patrick Rogers just played a really nice tournament at the Barbasol. He came in fifth. He's another um, long hitter who puts really well. Um, that rare combination we talk about all the time. Yeah. He hasn't been great. Like he, he feels a, a little bit like an underachiever to me because skill set seems to be so good. His swing is so pretty. Um, and is the results are just kind of average. Um, and, but I really like what I saw last week. I think that's a nice finish. I think you could see another one this week. So I, I, I like Patrick Rogers too. Johnny Vegas gives you a lot of, uh, you know, equity, a lot of popper kind of equity, which, which I, I really like as well. So, um, it's, it's an interesting range. I, I camp champ was a guy I looked at initially It said, well, you know, he came in 11th at the John Deere. He's got so such a um, elite skill set. Yeah. He's won twice on tour. He can tear a, a golf course apart with his driver. I, and, I will. I, I he was on my short list too, Greg. Yeah, um, I will. And I'm not a Cam Champ fan. I mean, neither. He makes me nervous. But <laughs> I mean, he's been so. There's a couple of things here. I think he's the perfect guy to try to get early in this field because he's won twice. He had an interview at John Deere, and I know a lot of guys, it's like coach speak or whatever. Like in the NFL, they just say, you know, every every player in NFL training camp is always in the best shape of their life. That's that's not mm, true, but they tell you that right. every single time. Right, because they want to make the team. Right. Cam Champ said, I am playing the best golf of my life, and I know the five missed cuts in a row don't really show that, but I'm playing well. And he did play much better at John Deere. He's leaning into the weapon. I love that. If he's going to be a zero on approach, that's fine. Like, just don't blow it in other places. And this might be a pretty good spot for him. So I'm going to take one crack at being early on Cam Champ and see what happens. And I, I think this is a pretty decent place to try to find it. I, I kind of agree, Rick. I, I don't. I do agree. Not kind <laughs> of. The other guy is, and we've been tracking him for a couple of weeks because he just made his uh, PGA Tour debut a couple of weeks ago, is Mito Pereira. So he missed the cut at Rocket Mortgage and is seemingly getting more. We knew this would happen, right? Get more comfortable on the PGA Tour. Finished T-34 at the John Deere. Finished fifth at the Barbasol last week. He's ball striking the heck out of it right now. This is a guy who got on tour because he won three times on the Corn Ferry. I'm 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 growing on Mito, and I think he's only 70, he's 7,600. Cam Champ's 7,100. He's actually much right. cheaper if that's, a, if that's a place you want to go. But um, he also has no picture 
on the DraftKings board. And I, you know, you I'd love to know what Sia thinks about that. When you don't have a picture up there, what does that do to ownership? Because I imagine it just keeps it way down. Well, actually, I I, I, gen, I genuinely think it does. And, and this is going to sound like totally, you know, just random. But I also think guys who have names that sort of pop, I think Mito is a cool name to say. I think people like saying Mito Pereira. And I actually think that gives him a little bump. I think we've talked about guys with boring names, right? And it's just like, oh, I don't want to take that guy. He's got to like Tom Hogue, who I might talk about in the 6K range. That's just not a name you want to like tell your friends that you have in your lineup. So I think there's something to that. People get intimidated. Like he must be not good. He can't be any good if he doesn't have a picture, right? Right. This is what he looks like, by the way, in case you're wondering. Um, yeah. It's, they got to get his picture up there. Yeah, they got to get his. I don't have his picture either. So I got to, there's usually a headshot right here. I don't have it either. So I got to, I got to add him to my database. We have a list of complaints to submit to DraftKings, gentlemen. <laughs> Anybody else in the 7K range before we bop on down to the super value $6,000 range? I mean, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Adam Shank. And honestly, I, he's sort of getting it done sort of smoke and mirrors style, but he has been pretty good lately. So I think it, on this course, I think it's a decent value at this price. Maybe Sam Ryder. Oh, Sam. Okay, real quick on on Adam Shank. He's gained strokes off the tee, and I'll I'll call it six because six ago he was a dead dead zero. T fifteen, T four in his last two. Who was it? Sam Ryder. Is that what you said? Yeah, he just came in third, and and he was like something happened on a shot late in the round where somebody said something or something happened. He wasn't very happy about. I didn't see um, at, at, at the Barbasol there. Like maybe it was a picture or something. Um, it, I'm not confusing it with Jordan Spieth on eight at the open. <laughs> it, it was this, this is something that happened. I, I honestly, it was kind of on in the background. I was working and I heard him saying he, he's not really happy about that. So I don't know what exactly it was, but I saw him hit a couple shots that were really impressive and he could be a popper. I like it. He, I like that. He just had a really nice finish last week. So maybe he's an option. He gained, this is not a typo. 11 strokes on approach last week, which was obviously Whoa. number one in the field and number one by nearly five full strokes, which that might be pretty one of good. The, hold on a second. 11. I, point I don't think I've seen that before. 11 point. It is the one, two, three, four, fifth best approach tournament by any golfer since the start of 2015. So six years. That's how good that was last week. Wow. That's pretty interesting. That's amazing. Just bring like he's more than a man of that. <laughs> That's wow. impressive. The putting isn't isn't so great, but I mean, I guess if you're if you're gaining eleven strokes on approach, I, the putting almost <laughs> doesn't even matter. Yeah, I could I could finish uh, third if I gained eleven strokes on approach. Let me putt. Wow, interesting. That's a little nugget we found. Six thousand dollar range, and uh, oh boy. The $6,000 range. It starts with Brandon Stone, Rafa Cabrera-Bello, Roger Sloan, Russell Knox goes all the way down. Let's see who's min-priced this week. Michael Kim, Martin Trainer, Kevin Stadler, Hunter May, the usual suspects. Mm -hmm. yeah. what, do you see? what do you see, Greg? Uh, well, uh, you could go back to the well here. There are a couple of guys in this range that are interesting. In the upper, I'm not going min-price here, Rick, okay? I'm, I'm not taking that deep of a dive, but um, three guys that have my interest. One, Vincent Whaley, yeah. uh, definitely a big time friend of the show who was really consistent for a while. 
and basically had what four four tournaments that were substandard and we've all forgotten about him but he did play in the barbasol and he played a little better so he might be he might be a safe um why do I always say the word safe in the 6K range? Nobody is safe. It. Nobody relative. is safe. But yeah. he may be a safer 6K option here um, to, to make you a cut. A volatile option if you need a guy who you think could win down here. Um, well, I have two. One, Wyndham Clark. Um, that kind of game I, I think could could really translate here. And the other is Chesson Hadley, who has had some kind of an interesting year, interesting trials and tribulations this year. And I wonder if he's still on the, on the climb to a victory. I know he missed the cut at the Barbasol. I know he didn't play well, but he did play uh, some really nice rounds at the John Deere weekend didn't go great. And he, and he fell off and obviously the Palmetto, which is well-documented. <laughs> well-documented. If I just read this correctly, Norman Zhang Monday qualified into this. And if that is the case and he gets added into this field and he is like $6,000, I am all in on Norman Zhang. Yeah. I think he was a teammate of Wyndham Clark's at Oregon. I think that they, uh, they, if they're not teammates, they have the same coach in uh, um, Jeff Smith. So Norman, that's quite a golf swing. I played with him uh what two months ago and it i mean they all look you could anybody you could be the 3000th best golfer in the world and i'd be like that's the most amazing swing i've ever seen i mean he was <laughs> yeah. the nicest guy and he was stri- just pure stripe show all day long launches oh, I, it right i got to i got to get him in this field yeah that would be amazing see ya uh find me some value please First of all, before I even mention the 6K range, uh, I think Tom Lewis is sneaky. He's 7K. I just wanted to get that out there because he made the cut here last year and he's made I think four cuts in a row. The finishing positions aren't super high, but in this field, they certainly could be higher. I think that's like, listen, if we're if we're talking about the 6K range, I mean, 7K, it's, it's almost the same thing. So I, I just wanted to mention that there's a, not a lot I like in the 6K range. Normally, there's like three or four guys that I'm willing to take some chances on. I do think when you're building lineups, you can be super balanced here and and be totally fine my point being you don't really need to go down into the low 7k range or or 6k range if you don't want to uh with that said at least relative to other other uh DraftKings tournament constructions but a few guys i might speculate on tom hope he hasn't been very good here but when he pops he does pop it just hasn't happened much lately he is a local i think to this course but certainly to this area so is that helpful i'm not really sure we i mean that's very narrative i think you, you could go either way on that one but i think hope is interesting uh, Chris Baker, Satoshi Kodaira. I mean, if you really need to dip into the 6K range, yeah, Rick, go ahead, because I know we want to lament so- Satoshi Kodaira. <laughs> I mean, it's actually it's almost from like a, a documentation standpoint of how how just weird and strange this this run has been. And we we he had those four straight events here from Wells Fargo to Travelers where he was great. He was valuable. He was gating strokes off the tee. He was gating strokes on approach. He was hot fire with the putter. Then he missed two cuts at Rocket Mortgage and John Deere. And then he's back at it again at the Barbasol. So, so he finishes T20. He was third in the field in strokes gain ball striking, which is approach plus off the tee. And now he's lost the putter again. Th- this is just like, uh, like I will probably fall for this again because I hate the $6,000 range and he's only 6,500 and I don't really like anything, but like it, it, it th- I just want to, this, this needs its own like 30 for 30 series. I have no <laughs> idea where it's coming from, how it's happening, where it's going, when it's coming back. It is the strangest, one of the strangest things I've seen in a while. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things. Do I want to get my heart broken again? So, it, you know, in, in a in a big single entry, I, I'm not going to be able to stomach Satoshi Kodaira. But I think in if you're in like a three max or if you're in a big tournament, I, I think a couple shares of Satoshi Kodaira could be okay. And Rick, there's one last guy I wanted to mention, and I think you might have mentioned him. I know you mentioned him on on an earlier show today, and it's Michael Gellerman. So yeah. if you look at his, first of all, if you look at his, his, just his cut history, I mean, this is a guy pretty much nobody's ever heard of. He missed the cut at the Barbasol, so that's not very good. But he made at least four cuts before that. He made the cut here last year. And if you look at his approach and off the tee numbers, they're actually pretty good. Like the off the tee is just about average in this field. And approach, again, last 24 rounds is, is well above average in this field. The problem is he's horrific with the putter. I mean, literally really, almost really like bad. dead dead last so you know that's not great but you know can he get hot i, I don't know but he's also 6100 so if you have to jam somebody in because you want to play tony finau and dustin johnson or something like that and you want a 9k guy too i, mean, I think gellerman's your guy yeah gellerman pops up when you run things that are like hey last 24 rounds and you really want ball strikers that that's when gellerman pops up because he's gained a ton of strokes on approach in his last four. Now his best finish in that stretch is T 34 at the John Deere because he is uh, horrible in the short game. I mean, he's losing one to three strokes around the green every single week and he's losing three or four on the greens every single week. It's really ugly. It's uh, it, that's why nobody's ever heard of him. I right. just think it's so yeah. funny when when we use the word. He is horrible. Right. I, <laughs> well, I it's all it's relative, hysterical. right, Greg? Yeah, of course it is. It just cracks me up. I, I love it. But compared to it? compared to feel, tour average, he's horrible. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm with you. I understand. I'm not. Uh, it, it's just funny the way you guys say it. I'm not I saying know. what you're saying is funny, but how you're saying it is <laughs> yeah, very I funny. I definitely bold-faced horrific when I said it. So my yeah. apologies to the Gellerman family. But let me ask you this, though. Do you guys, for this tournament, I mean, I know he's bad with the putter, too, but I don't think around the green game is going to come in uh, super heavy here. Do you guys agree with that sentiment? I mean, in other words, if we're taking a shot on a guy like Gellerman or somebody better, like a, like a Keegan, for example, it, it's really just the putter that we're more worried about relative to the uh, the other part of the short game. I think so. I mean, you you don't get uh, with how big these greens are. You're probably not going to get that many shots around the green, and if you are, you're not winning. So who cares? Right. Right. Yeah. It's not. It's not going to be something that you have to lean on, but it can be something that derails you. Yes. But look, this is this is the six k range. I mean, you gotta at some point you gotta you're gonna take a hit somewhere. Right. Nobody's going to check all the boxes. So at some point you got to hold thumbs and hope for the best. <laughs> Kevin Tway has made uh, four consecutive cuts. The last three are top 26s. He's gained strokes off the tee in each of those. He is by far uh, bent is his best surface. I don't love it, but if you're super desperate, I wouldn't mind it. That's him and Kadira. <laughs> shockingly are the guys I liked out in the, in the $6,000 range. <laughs> Um, he's also, it was his birthday last week. So if you want to ride that birthday narrative. Oh, how old is he now? I don't know. I just know his birthday was during oh. the <laughs> Kevin Tway oh. wiki. That's something I haven't typed in. Oh, he's an 88. I'm an 88. He's 32. Well, hey. happy birthday, Kevin Tway. No, his birthday's this week. His birthday's the oh. 23rd. See, his birthday is, oh. his birthday is Friday. Oh, so he's going to make a Ooh. Friday birthday run. Perfect. Make the cut. What did you say his price was? Uh, 66. 
Oh yeah, he's he's in every single one of my lineups. Birthday narratives <laughs> always went out. Anything else? <laughs> Anybody else? <laughs> Rick, you got to add a you got to add a field in your uh, on rickrungood.com birthday. Yes. Or it could maybe it's a yes no column. Will their birthday fall Thursday this week. to Sunday? Oh, that's yes awesome. or no? Pass or fail? So I've actually the, okay. <laughs> Players in this field who's sharing my screen here. We're, we're good. Sunday. Here's, here's what I was thinking. Yeah. So there's so many good narratives. Like I, I was gonna have something where it was like the like the region. Like, did you grow up? Were you born, grew up, reside, or go to college within like 50 miles of here? Like that was gonna be one thing. And then yeah, is your birthday this week? It's just like in other sports, like the revenge game, like the first game yes. back uh on a team that traded you. Like there should be like a little designation on DraftKings for that, like revenge game. I, I think they're sianajad.com. There you go. Um, guys, maybe it's see, maybe it's see a run good. Guys, you, you see listen, a run good. Yeah. At this point, you have to turn on your notifications for me because I literally did that narrative last week for the open, like kind of as a joke. And it's real, it's a really long thread, and I think it's kind of hilarious. So I'm gonna go ahead and and make sure you guys see that. It was literally an entire narrative on 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 birthdays for the open. Go buy a um, narrative street. Go buy the domain. Uh, someone's gonna buy it as I say this live. Narrativestreet.golf. Because go- you can have a dot golf domain now. Oh, yeah. Now I have to go buy it. But uh, <laughs> that would be hilarious. I think that'd be really funny. Yeah, it, maybe it could be a little add-on to rickrungood.com. Yeah, like rickrungood.com/slash narrative street dot golf. Perfect. I don't know if that's how it works. Cre- www.creedthoughts.gov backslash whatever whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. We started on stickies. We're ending on domains. I think we have come full circle, gentlemen. That is our DFS preview for this week's 3M Open. There will be a mega preview pod on Tuesday. There will be rounds by rounds recaps each and every round. But for now, let me thank producer Jacob. Does all the hard work behind the scenes. That right there. It's Sia Najad. You can find him at Sia Najad and at SiaRunGood.com. That's Greg Ducharme. You can find at the real GFT. <laughs> and you can find me at Rick Rungood. This has been the first cut. And we'll catch you next time.